Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Anne and Steve Talk Stuff, where a artist and an economist walk into a podcast and things happen. How are you, Stephen? I'm good, I'm good, Anne. It's, um, it's, it's the start of a new uh, um, second level term. So mm-hmm. primary school students are back, the secondary students are back, and in about four weeks, the tertiary students will be back. So it's, it's, it's very strange because it doesn't feel like, it feels like time is separating out again. Right. In a funny way, we're starting to have things like everyone must get up at the same time to do the same thing, you know, that kind of stuff. Yes. So that's sort of happening. So the, uh, I, I actually, I really love this part of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, a very good friend of mine is a Benedictine monk. And he talks about how the songs that they sing are, uh, they, they sound different. They, they, there's a, a calendar of songs that you sing at different points of the year. Okay. And the, so- the rhythm of the songs, the cadence of the songs, and the meaning of the songs is timed to the seasons. Oh, um, okay. And I think that, uh, so the Christmas songs sound totally different to the Easter songs and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think... Um, uh, I, I feel that way about semesters and terms, weirdly, because my whole life, like my whole, my not just my adult life, but my obviously as a kid, yeah. um, has been built around semesters and academic timetables and all this kind of stuff. So for me, uh, the year flexes in and out in that kind of seasonality. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it does for, for academics as well. And so, so there's a lot of intensity that comes with this time of year that um, I guess other people don't feel. I guess it's much more linear for lots of other people. But for us, it's kind of way up and way down. You know, I think for artists, I'm sure it's the same. So it's kind of like fallow periods where you're just kind of chilling and, and reading and thinking and writing. And there's other periods where it's completely mental and you're just kind of, you know, doing, producing. Well, I sort think, of I like think that. you're right. I think it's because the educational uh, world kicks off in September that does affect everyone else even if you're not in academia if you're not in schools because generally that I mean I find January I'm not that inclined to start exercising but in September I am that, that's like when it's in it's it's kind of the January in our heads it's when you know you've had your summer well, well maybe this year was a bit of an exception yeah, but fair. Um, normally you've had summer, you've had maybe a bit of a break, you've had maybe a little bit of ease and then there's this feeling of, okay, things are starting again. Everything's kind of yeah. getting back. Uh, there's classes available. There's, there's courses available. Mm. And uh, certainly psychologically, I find September to be a bit of a, a, bit of a, a new year, even yeah. though I, I'm not necessarily in education, but I dip in and out of it. But uh, yeah, and I wonder, does like, do other people feel that? Because that's generally when you're, when a lot of your extracurricular activities, even as an adult, start off again. Yeah, okay, yeah I hadn't really thought about that. I, but I, I like that idea of a personal January. Yeah. I like, you know, like your own personal Jesus, your own personal January. <laughs> I like that, you know, because um, uh, I, I think I told you, you know, I, 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 I ever, on, on my birthday, I kind of write myself a little thing, like this is version 42 of yourself, off you go. You didn't you know? actually say that. We did talk about your birthday, but you didn't. Oh, I, oh, I didn't. Specific. No. Yeah, no. yeah. So I kind of, do, I use my birthday as, as a kind of a personal January. And I just go, here are the things I want to do um, with 42. And I look, I look back at 41 and I go, Jesus, you didn't know that. Yeah. Or, or you did way too much of the other thing or, or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so if I look back at, you know, version 40. Um, I did like 150% of what I said I was going to do. Uh, and version 41, almost none of it. 
because right. stuff happened one of which was a global pandemic yeah. um and version 42 is actually it's actually far more circumscribed it's there's okay. only three or four things on there um and uh you know some of it's really obvious like just learn irish you know and Maybe. some of it's not you know some of it's a bit personal but the important thing is that all of it is uh a personal january that happens in august <laughs> that's just randomly when i was born but yeah, yeah. I, I i think i think there's um i think there's real uh there's real value in that actually i do i think that there's real value in trying to think through what you might do with yourself for the year mm. and, uh, yeah it's kind of it's kind of cool and it, it sort of uh, it sort of broaches a little bit uh, the topic of this podcast which is yeah. uh which 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 is uh which is Anne blake tweeting <laughs> well Anne blake is on the twitter <laughs> is around the twitter Mm. And uh, you you did some twittering, and then something happened. And like, why don't you tell us all about it? Well, technically, I mean, it's you and I tweeted because it's the account for this show. But let let's face oh. it, you're busy. You were on your holidays, so it it was me. I know it's something that's come up a bit, and it's very prevalent in the last number of months, and it's even prevalent today. Uh, it's this the issue of statues and what they say about a society and the the. The tearing down of them or the the erecting of them or whatever like what what is it what does and and i'd say even going a little bit off that into public art commemorative art how that reflects a society and this is what we've been doing the last well this whole podcast is what ultimately we're kind of reflecting on who we are and what it says about ourselves so i put a question out specifically to limerick limerick is the city you and i live in it's mm-hmm. in the if you're tuning into this from god knows where it's in the midwest of ireland and uh, i put a question out there because limerick has had a lot of statues um kind of erected in the last number of years and they have had mixed reaction so the question i just said was um if you were to choose who to erect a statue to or what kind of statue, who would it be and why? Mm. That, that was it. Just boom, put it out there. And it got a mm. lot of, a lot of traction. Um, and there was, a, there was a couple of really interesting ideas. Like um, uh, someone said a statue, um, Kenny O'Brien said uh, a statue to the women defending Limerick during the siege. So there was a siege in just over 300 years ago. And the women of Limerick famously kind of did a, 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 a defense and it's been depicted in in art uh, sorry in performance a little bit and somebody else mentioned a woman called dodo redden who was a very iconic limerick character who had a pram full of dogs and she she pushed this pram around the city and was actually an animal rights activist but often you know back in the day is seen as the mad lady with the the dog pram yeah. <laughs> and and actually dermot whelan on today fm i think his character called noni and i think noni is quite really formed it's been That's informed. where noni comes from oh my god somewhat informed right i know he's based it on, on quite a bit but dodo redden is certainly uh you know a character who who is um comes up yeah. and um and but a very interesting thing that was said because uh, Limerick is is home to a very very prestigious art college, um, mm-hmm. but often that isn't lent into as much. But like the somebody Bernadine Carl said, like why statues? Can we not can we not be a bit more imaginative um, with with what, how we commemorate 
people like mm. so obviously murals are they are a thing but even the idea of something maybe abstract or, or maybe a, a space being created and it was very it got a lot of it got a lot of traction and a lot of people talking and we will talk about some of the stuff that was suggested but i think like Berndine was one of the first reactions and it was kind of why why are we why more statues do you know why more statues why more statues uh, can mm. we not think differently and especially at a time when statues are being are being torn down mm. and yeah so from your point of view Stephen as an economist as a as a human of the world like what's your take on on the tearing down of of statues so <clears throat> Two things. The first is that economists talk about uh, how we live in the public realm as the production of public goods or public bads. Mm-hmm. So you think about a public good. We always talk about goods, but they're actually public bads. So think about a pollution as a public bad. Things just get worse when there's more pollution. Right? Mm-hmm. And a public good is something where things get better. The more they get better for other people if you produce it. So think about beauty. Um, think about a, a gorgeous garden. Or um, think about, um, you know, uh, redesigned cityscapes, which are just much, much nicer for people to be around. Uh, Think about um, reconditioned industrial zones that are now just just, just parks and just really nice places. You can turn a public bad into a public good uh, very quickly, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and there's other ways to do it. You can do it with regulation. You can do it with taxes. You can just, everyone can just decide that they're not doing this. Um, and when you think about a statue, a statue is, is supposed to be a public good. It's supposed to be something that marks the history of a place, the, the iconography of a place. It's supposed to convey grandeur and gesture. It's, it's a public meeting place a lot of the time. It's often supposed to signify nationhood and statehood. And, and, and it's, it, it's sort of a mixture of art and uh, symbols and semantics a lot of the time, right? Um, but the idea is it's supposed to say, this is us. We are here because this is who we were, right? So yeah. we have Parnell Street, you know, we have O'Connell Street, you know, um, and, and, and um, you know, I presume at some point in the future, we'll have Dolores or Reardon Street, right? So it's just, there are people who have shaped us in the past. They are quite dead. This is very important. So very few people have statues erected to them in, during their own lives. Yeah. Um, uh, very, very few people, um, but but uh, there could be, and there can also be um, statues to ideas. There can be statues uh, that, and when I say statue, what I don't mean just you know a bloke on a pedestal. Although typically most statues are men, actually, but it, it could just be a, a thing, a signi- signifying object. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, when when we think about these things, for certain classes of people, uh, a statue is not a public good. It's a public bad. So if, for example, you happen to be uh, a descendant of slaves, uh, walking past a statue, which is depicting and obviously glorifying somebody who used to own slaves is a public bad for you. It's making you feel worse. And there's a brilliant poem which a Bristol-based poet um, uh, uh, wrote, and she recorded it the day after she helped pull down the um, statue of a very well-known slaver who, ha- who helped build a fair bit of Bristol. And mm-hmm. his name is on all the stuff. I can't remember the man's name, unfortunately now. Mm-hmm. But um, they yanked, they yanked his, 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 his statue into the sea 
And uh, she has this brilliant line at the end of the poem, and we'll link to it at the end of this uh, uh, thing. I'll, I'll send it to you. And yeah. uh, she said, and when you fell apart, I could see that you were empty. You know, and it was just like, wow, you know, it was, it was just, just brilliant. It was floored me. It was a fantastic line. And um, Edward, uh, Edward Colston. That was Edward me. Colston. Yes. Yeah. And the, 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 the latest poem I, it will come to me in a minute, but uh, yeah. uh, she was fantastic. And she, she was one of the activists to pull it down. But um, so the idea is, is, is uh, there's a pedestal there. What should you put there? You know, what should you put there? And also who gets to decide what goes there? You know, that's another really important point. Um, who gets to decide what goes there? So typically the city authorities decide mm. what to go there. So there's a certain sense of officialdom that comes with this. You know, you can't, you and I just can't rock up and like build a statue and just slap it down wherever we feel like. We can't do that. We don't have that right. Um, it would be interesting if we did, because in a certain sense, graffiti art, street art, uh, murals are kind of saying, no, no, no. This is ours. This, is, this street is ours, and we're going to paint it up any way we like. Yeah. Um, the, the laneways of Melbourne, they began like that. They began as, as artistic projects mm -hmm. that the council in Melbourne realized, oh, wait, no, we could take some ownership over this excellent art and help curate it. But they actually didn't sanction it, first off. They said, no, no, we don't want this. They were painting over it a lot of the time, right? Yeah. Um, and then there's a question for the artist. If you define yourself as an oppositional artist, I'm not part of the status quo. And then the status quo says, actually, we quite like what, what you do. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that? You know? How do you deal with that? You're like, wait, wait, do I work for the man now? Am I part of the corporate structure? And they're like, well, maybe. I, you know? I like to roar from the sidelines, damn it. Shake my fist <laughs> oh, yeah, at the sky. Yeah. I, I've Am known I a council that worker now? What? <laughs> you know, so there, there's yeah. all these questions. Um, and I think they were all kind of surfaced in that cool uh, thread. Um, so one of them is like, hey, do we need a statue? Yeah. One more statue, not that helpful. So it's a beautiful concept in economics called marginal benefit. So the benefit of the extra additional unit. The same, mm -hmm. we've got dozens of statues. What good will one more do? So that's a very interesting point, right? So the marginal benefit versus marginal cost argument behind that one, um, which is very strong in my opinion. Uh, mm -hmm. The other one is saying, well, hang on. What is the benefit of this at all? Is there any benefit to any kind of statue? And to the individual, the answer is kind of no. But yeah. I don't think there's any benefit to any individual from having a statue or not. Collectively, there may well be a benefit. Yeah. And that it provides a kind of a marker, not just our physical geography or topography, but our psychic geography and topography. So you're aware that there, you know, you walk down O'Connell Street, you know, uh, uh, you, you don't walk down Lord Marlborough Street. Mm. Like there's a very big difference. There's no Trevelyan Square in Ireland, right? Yeah. You know, uh, all we know about that lad is somebody tried to rob his corn. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a reason why we suppress certain names or even oppress certain names mm. and then we glorify others. Yeah. And uh, and, and th th that can be good or bad. Um, so sometimes it makes sense that we glorify people. But in glorifying people, we make a choice. Yeah. Make, like, all, all these people deserve to be studied in museums. Whether we place them on pedestals expresses our value as a society. Yeah. And then the question is, well, hang on a second. Where do we get those values from? Mm. And like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, if, if we all decided to vote on it, it might be a little bit different. Mm. You know, because... 
voting in voting what you really do is you say i like x or i like y mm -hmm. and to a certain extent that's all about who gets to construct the list of what you vote for yeah right? so if, 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 let's say we we get to vote on the extra statue the marginal statue and yeah. they're all uh, men who've been in the army <laughs> yeah <Right. laughs> so 10, 10 choices, whichever you like, but it's going to be a bloke who's dressed in military gear. So if you happen to be a pacifist or somebody who's military neutral or somebody who wants to talk about the other 51% of the population, well then, you know, it's not really that great a list for you. So mm. the, who gets to choose? Who gets to, to do all that? Yeah, I think that there is a, you, you, you very often see questions like this um, mm. uh, coming up again and again and again. Um, we will often see in the creation of new institutions, the uh, very rapid building of monuments and um, uh, uh, standout objects of all kinds. So I work at the University of Limerick, which is only 42 or 43 years old as a, as a, as a, as a higher education institution. And it is littered with statues and public art and, uh, and all this kind of stuff. Because it, because it wants to impress upon you the fact that it is an institution that has these kinds of structures around it. It, it impresses its permanence upon you by forcing you to see all of these gorgeous pieces of art, some of which are genuinely remarkable, mm. all over the place. You know, and there are fountains. A fountain is a kind of a statue. Mm. You know, as fountains everywhere in the, on the University of Limerick campus. You can't, yeah. you barely, half the time you're nearly tripping into them. You know, and there again, it's more of these kind of like public instantiations of of of, of art, and I I, I think that um that the the fact that they're bound up in our institutions is yeah it's it's uh, yeah it's very it's very interesting. But uh, like you said, uh, and in on the on the Twitter feed, not everyone was super up for the idea of more statues. Well, no, in general, there was look, can we commemorate people? Uh, yeah. Like a big thing was. Uh, as I said, um, someone saying, oh, someone suggested a statue to the women defending during the siege. And someone replied saying, the story should be etched into the flood barriers so people can read it when walking the bridges. The barriers are our contemporary protections. So it's like, how can we get that feeling across? How can we get that? And this is, I suppose, the imagination. So this is where you kind of, and I come back to this a lot, like trust the artists. They will have good ideas that will mm. surprise you because... Uh, I, I did do think we, because we, we've touched on this subject before, but we're kind of giving it an episode today where statues like are not in proportion or they're not normally the size of human beings. So like yes. Daniel O'Connell on, in, on, in Dublin, Daniel O'Connell in Limerick is a very, very large, wildly, madly proportionate man. Mm -hmm. if he was to walk the streets, but he looks right because he's up on a pedestal and you need to get a, yeah. a view and you need to, you need to distort and change things for them to work in that context. Whereas mm. the, the most recent two statues, a Richard Harris and um, Terry Wogan are very much in proportion. They very much could get up and walk and they yeah. would look like, like humans. Yeah. And the, that's kind of their failing. It's like, well, statues should not look real. They shouldn't be in proportion. They should be a bit mad looking so that they make sense as statues, you know? Mm -hmm. And this is the idea of kind of things. I, I, I even know when I'm <laughs> directing people in theater, like the theater, you, if you were to walk into a room 
uh, and people were talking to each other the, the way they would in a room, you wouldn't hear them because you know, then we'd all be able to hear each other all the time in cafes yeah. and pubs. Whereas on stage, you're in this giant room pretending you're in a regular room. So you have to be, everything has to be exaggerated. Everything yeah. has to be bigger to be, to fit that mold, to, to make, yes. to be realistic in that very fake setup. So yes. often, so this is where I'm saying kind of trust the artists and you might, as a public person go, we want to commemorate Dolores Verdon. And so we want a, a statue of Dolores Reardon and an artist then will go, well, I'll do you one better and I'll do you a mural where she's actually in three different colors. And when you look at each one, it's almost like she's moving. And that's what they, they have done on King's Island. There's a stunning, yes. stunning it's mural. Yeah. And it's just that, you know, get someone to do the thing, but, but then give them freedom to, to yeah. make it work in a public context. And, yeah. and, and murals, I think, you know, are very strong uh but somebody even talked about uh this woman dodo redden you know uh maybe have a small dog competition to commemorate her you know something that's going a little bit outside it again yeah um other people uh talking about uh you know actual like events or uh, mm. someone talked about really embracing uh, he referred to in waterville they have this kind of it's like it's a bit like in dublin actually a boat almost coming up out of the ground on the waterfront and yeah. which remind me a bit of um uh woodkey is it in dublin yeah woodkey yep, yep. that's it and that kind of em- embracing you know but not being realistic not being naturalistic or literal not being so yeah. literal yeah. and um you know i i think um and, and even like they, they do tell us a lot like there's a, a mural to constant smith who's who's a uh hollywood actress from like that a lot of us have only kind of heard of her now in this Mm -hmm. context but you know and it's i think this idea of what does our public commemorative art tell us about ourselves what does what does what does it say to us as people and this this idea of of tearing them down i know the the talk is often well tear them down maybe throw them into a museum where you can learn about what pricks these people were but if you just tear them down then that story might get lost too and there's a great quote i i grabbed um yesterday on on the twitter so john a mcdonald at the time of recording uh he was a canadian prime minister he his statue was torn down yesterday uh apparently initially his st- statue was decapitated in 1992 so hey, he had it coming um but this guy replied obviously to a thread i just grabbed it it said john a mcdonald was instrumental in the creation of canada and he was a white supremacist and he's obviously responding to someone who's who in this and he says the fact you think that these are contradictory ideas is alarming the fact you don't know that this is proof that statues do not teach history so this idea that this president this sorry this former prime minister has been up there for all this time and nobody is correlating the fact that not nobody but a lot of people are not correlating the fact that his white supremacy was part of the building of this country where thousands and thousands of indigenous people were were sent away had their their language taken off them they were taken from their parents and also the fact that the fact no one knows is this person is saying this proves that they don't teach history they're not teaching us history they're just commemorating these people but yeah. yes maybe turn them down and throw them into a museum maybe call it the museum of mm-hmm. white supremacists or something or call it what it is but like, it's funny, I, I was talking recently about this, that um, 
uh, you, you know, you and I, as we often talk about, are the same age. And mm. um, something I've said on other podcasts, not probably not on this one, um, I'm always worried when somebody says, I am not, I have never been racist or I've never been homophobic or I've never been misogynist. You know, these kind of de- defenses. And I will say, I'm, for, I'm nearly 42, I'm Irish, I am racist, misogynist, and homophobic, and I've had to work really hard to overcome those things. But I am because I grew up in the country at the time I did, where all, all, a lot of these things were far more normalized. And our culture, you know, we watched Annie McBeal, we, you watch stuff from the time where, where it was okay to either say certain things or just not represent an entire race or not represent an entire gender or not represent an entire sexuality in any kind of adult grown-up accepting way so our culture and this is why i feel very strong about the work i make um and the effect it has on people uh yes it has to entertain but there's always like it's always well what's at its heart is it punching down is it disempowering is it silencing someone um it, it informs who we are and uh and so i would say our public art of course, if I walk past Daniel O'Connell every day of my life, which I pretty much did in, in America, mm-hmm. yep. you know, I'm thinking, well, that's a really cool man. And then I find out about him and he's, you know, emancipated the the Catholics and worked really hard and, and brought Douglas, um, ooh, Frederick Douglass on a tour mm-hmm. of Ireland, the abolitionist. Yep. Actually, this day, 175 years ago, I think Frederick right. arrived that's in Ireland. Right. He was so, here. And I'm not saying Daniel Cohn was a perfect man. I'm sure in his time he did a lot of shit. But um, for his legacy, <laughs> for the most part, was building people up and, and, and empowering those who had less power than him because he had a lot of money, he had a lot of, of clout. And if I found out that Daniel Cohn was actually you know, <laughs> enslaving people and that, like, that would have a bad effect on me because the main street in my city is named after him and his... And his his statue is is like our you know so i think we can't pretend that it doesn't have an effect on us and yeah it's kind of naive to go well look it's just a statue leave it there it's like it's telling you every day that these people should literally physically be on a pedestal yeah and we just let let that happen but let us examine what that what that means to us um there's some lovely suggestions around um you know there's that the rugby one in in shannon airport the lads Mm. catching the ball and Mm. and there's a a moment from limerick winning the the 2018 i think there's a very iconic photograph and someone said put this up this is a really happy time let's make one for that it's like you know let's let's celebrate who we are let's let's be joyous and you know and that's that's a lovely idea of like let's celebrate a great moment in our time Mm. um Mm. You could think about you could you could think about you could think of lots of things, right? So you could think about moments where there was unbridled public joy, mm. right? Um, where almost everyone in the society would go, "Yeah, that was a great that was a great day." Mm. Uh, the day the granny visited Limerick, the day we won the All Ireland, you know, uh, all, all these kind of like like mass public events that we say are great. Now you could argue that the event itself is its own commemoration. Mm. You don't need to remember these things. Yeah. Right? Um, there is, uh, there is also, there is also, you like, if you like, when you want to transmute something from 
a person to an idea or an institution. You know, do you t- turn Daniel O'Connell from a bloke, mm-hmm. uh, living, breathing, sort of, you know, talking, farting, regular man into mm-hmm. uh, this institution, this sort of, you know, saint, that, that mm. this ghost that sort of everyone's aware of, but very, very dimly, you know, very dimly. Um, in the same way that, that the, the Canadian prime minister, like you're really dimly aware of him. You probably learned three lines about him in your primary school or secondary school history. And you went, all right, sound, yeah, grand. Same way you learn about the presence of Ireland or the presence of America. You don't really understand them as historical objects. And you don't, they're not, you're not really taught much about them other than he was a great man, he did a thing, the end, you know? Yeah. Um, and where we are now is a sort of um, what I might call a hermeneutics of suspicion. All right, so hermeneutics is is the branch of knowledge that deals with interpretation. Yeah. Right. Okay. So the so hermeneutics of suspicion really it, what what it really is it's about well okay I'm suspicious about your or my interpretation of Daniel O'Connell, right? So we're you you said it there you're inherently suspicious about him you're like wait a minute he could have kicked dogs you know what yeah. what what if he was into you know tossing puppies off 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 high buildings or or you know mm-hmm. um, this kind of stuff. Uh, you know what? What if it turned out that John Hume was a massive misogynist? What if it mm-hmm. turned out that, uh, which he wasn't, by the way? But what? What if? You know, what if? What <laughs> yeah. if? What if? Does does their greatness in one field and their lack of greatness in another? Does one thing cancel out the other? Is mm. one informed by the other? You know, and yeah. and that there's that suspicion. I think in that 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 sort of it it leaks through, and you can see it in the. Um, and the replies to the tweets, so it's like, what do you want this for? People are suspicious. They're like, why, why, why? Why yeah. do you think you need more or less statues? Um, because there's a cost to putting them up, mm. but there's an even greater cost to putting them down, right? Yeah. So let's think about, let's think about the, the single piece of art, sonic art, in fact, um, that is, uh, it it's it's um it's a staple of our life you've heard thousands of times i've heard thousands of times you can't turn on the national broadcaster without hearing it. it's called the angelus Bong. right so this thing is a call to prayer yeah. right it's a it's a it's a very very old idea yeah okay it's a very old idea but it's actually a very new concept so the angelus everyone thinks the angelus has been around since god was a boy not true the Angelus was actually brought in. I'll find the exact year for you in a minute. But we, we, we have the Angelus, right? And, and, and it's fine. And people, you know, there are, there are believers, you know, less, less, you, uh, less you think that I, I, I don't believe uh, that they should be on. You know, I actually think there should be a call to prayer. There, but I think we should vary it, right? Mm-hmm. So on Mondays, have the Christian call to prayer. On Tuesdays, have the Muslim call to prayer. The idea it's kind of, of kind of mix is, up the um it's very difficult to do. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, it's very difficult to do because because w- when you think about the angelus it's it's almost nothing. It's bongs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's just bongs. And people go, and we're going to pause for the angelus and it goes bong 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 and people go yeah whatever. And they're going to go off and do stuff but it's going bong 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 and that's fine. And yeah. you know and and that idea of stop think pray Stop mm-hmm. what you're doing. Just look out a window and just think about stuff. Yeah. I've got an Apple Watch on my hand. 
It has an angelus on it, but it's not called the angelus. It's called breathe. Okay. It says, stop what you're doing here. Chill out for a second. Just breathe. You yeah. Know? And you look at the watch and you go, oh. if you see the videos of the angels, there's always fellas looking out windows and people staring at sheep and all this kind of stuff. Right. I, do, rem- I do remember in primary school where the bell would ring at 12. Like it wasn't a bong, but it was a school bell would go, bring, bring, bring. And we all had to get up and do the Angelus. And it was kind of great. You were always kind of happy when it happened because it was a change of energy. And it was also maybe someone, maybe the teacher was angry. Maybe something bad was about to happen. Maybe someone was in trouble. And, but it changed things up. And, mm-hmm. and it, was, it, it was routine and it was rhythmic. And it, so obviously it's 12 and 6 every day, isn't it? Yep, that's, that's right. And terrible. it has only been broadcast since 1950. Really? Um, yep, it's, it's only been broadcast at, mid, at midday. So it's just at 6 o'clock. Yeah, no, it's 12 o'clock and 6 o'clock every day. It is broadcast um, on And it used to be okay. broadcast with a prayer. The Angelus, okay. the Angelus has an accompanying prayer, mm. but now it's just the bombs. And the idea is, uh, the idea is uh, that it's all about the Annunciation. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it's, do you know, it's, um, it's, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's very interesting uh, as, a, as, a, as a concept. So, so, so it's, a, it's a call to prayer. It's a moment to breathe. It's a meditative, meditative pause. Probably has probably has uh, um, is of little to no benefit to many mm. people. Is of great benefit to some, but now think about the people who have been abused by the Catholic Church, or who are militantly opposed to the Catholic Church, or who associate that with the version of Ireland which was historically abusive towards people in poverty. Yeah, right. For those people, this is a bit like that statue of the. Um, of the uh, slaver in Bristol, whose name I've forgotten again, I'm sorry. Edward Colston. Edward Colston, sorry, thank you. Um, (laughs) It's the same idea, right? It's the same thing. It's people who have been oppressed by this thing who are like, oh my God, I don't want, you know, take it off. And if you said to somebody, I think we should take the Angelus off the the radio. I don't know what kind of reaction you would get because of course, uh, people who who are very... um, who were pro-Catholic and pro-Angelus would say, no, look, this is just a, it's just a, it's a minute for spirituality in the middle of the day. You know, there's no prayer associated with it. It's literally just bongs, you know, what, what's the problem? Yeah. Uh, you could see that they were like, well, we like it. Could you please keep it? It's part of our traditions, part of our mm-hmm. culture. Please keep it. And you have lots of other people who are like, no, no, it's really bad for us. It's terrible. It makes us unhappy. And the, uh, the, the challenge of public policy very often is squaring those two things and coming to some resolution. Mm. In this particular instance, the sheer cost of taking it off, the, the row that you would have to have in order to take the Angelus, two minutes of bongs off the radio mm. is way, way, way higher, right? Than just leaving it there. Yeah. And so it'll probably be there for another hundred years. This weird vestige of... Of a uh, of of a uh, of a culture that kind of exists in Ireland, mm-hmm. but certainly no longer the dominant monoculture. So, for example, the Angelus was the idea of Archbishop John Charles McQuaid in the 1940s. Okay, right? um, who who was absolutely the ruler, the ruler of Catholic Ireland in the 1940s. He was the boss. Forget mm-hmm. about the um, a brilliant biography of of McQuaid. He seems. He was he was a man of of incredible. Um, um, uh, I tell you, he would have been an incredible general. 
Right. In a certain sense, he was. Mm. Um, he, he, in a certain sense, he was, but incredibly tough, in, but an incredibly powerful, uh, totally unelected, of course. Um, and, and, and I always compare him to Robert Moses, who, um, who uh, helped tear down loads of slums in, in New York and build loads of the bridges and, and all of that in New York State. Mm-hmm. Uh, did it for 30 years, hurt, hurt, hurt tens of thousands of people um, in his creation of progress. Uh, but, you know, ultimately made what is modern New York, right? So we live in McQuaid's Ireland in many respects, right? So, yeah, I, I, I think, um, I think when, it, when it comes to it, when we think about this stuff, the more thoughtful we are, the better. Mm. And the more we, the minute you start thinking about this stuff, it's very hard not to notice it everywhere. It's like oh, when you yeah. learn drums, listening to the beat everywhere you go. When you start thinking about statues and symbols and what the tapestry of what makes us us, yeah you go wow my god you know and 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 all you have to, all you have to do is just imagine it's not there you know yeah. all you have to do is just imagine it's what the, and you to see if it's important imagine it's lack yeah yeah and you say oh wow god you know you you certainly you you start seeing things everywhere like really everywhere it, it is, and it's funny actually we say because they've taken the prayer out of the Angelus, so it's just literally a series of bells, which if you do any kind of meditation often, that kind of gorgeous bong, which is actually very calming, it's right now, not, not a bell, but the actual bong sounds bong. very bong. Yeah. <laughs> it's a relaxing bong. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I, I, <laughs> too many jokes, too many jokes. Too many jokes. Too many jokes. Too many jokes. I'm, I'll move on. Um, and it was that can you reappropriate for yourself and say, well, maybe this is my moment to read or to to meditate or whatever. Um, and yeah, um, it it also look. Let's face it, it gives a lot of healthy fodder for com- comedians and, and that. That's true. Something else I remember, and this was at a time when RTE would end at night. RTE used to start like at three o'clock in the day, and it would end around midnight, and it played the national anthem with uh, a series of of images that's um, right yeah uh, i remember that which obviously because t- television now is 24 hours um doesn't happen anymore but there was right, something of kind of you know in my house it was kind of exciting if i was seeing the national anthem because that meant i was up really late and it was also that sense of right telly's going to bed now we're all going to bed and there was something kind of ritualistic and this i mean this only comes back to this stuff has an effect on you you can't you it can't does. say, oh, well, it's just there. Like, like let's just forget about it. Um, hmm. But I, I have very strong memories as a kid. And uh, it would often end on the, the, Bla- on the Blasket Islands, which, which is uh, known as on Far Maro for the Sleeping Bishop, which actually looks like a dead man lying in the water. It's one of the, hmm. it's just the shape of the, the, the island, which yeah. apparently used to have a bit of rock on the end of it that looked like a mitre, like a bishop. Okay. And that broke off. So known as the Sleeping Bishop or on Far Maro. And I can't remember the name of the actual island, but I remember like the sun setting on that was always okay. one of the last images on um, on the national anthem. But yeah, and the the other thing is just somebody made a, a point because speaking about Limerick specifically, and we are we are coming to the end. But um, I thought this was an interesting one about a statue to represent anti-racism and inclusion, or to remember the. Mm. Ju- who suffered oppression in the city because of the boycott of 1904 and i think okay like if you kind of commemorate something shit that you did to make sure this never happens again be it a statue or whatever i think i think there's a power in that it's like you know what we like there there's a isn't um 
maybe in Boston there's uh, a statue to kind of the Irish coming off the famine boat and looking very, mm-hmm. very thin. Now, obviously, Boston is an Irish American city, and they're not saying this was our fault. They're more saying this crappy thing happened, mm. and we're remembering it. But I think it's a very interesting idea to yeah. mark something shit that you did <laughs> as a society yeah. in a way, you know, or, or to say like put our hands up and go like let, like let's make sure and, and and that it's a doorway to for more inclusion and more mm. welcoming. I don't know what it would look like because I'm not an artist who'd make that kind of stuff, but. I think it's, I, it was uh, Dan O'Neill put that up there and I just thought that was... That's a class Ooh. idea. Like, I, 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 just think, I just think you just needed to be abstract enough to, to, to really, like, just put all the shit into it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, you know, just generally, like, again, this goes back to the hermeneutics of suspicion. So, like, mm. I'm suspicious about anything that tells me you should feel crap about this. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And yet, there are lots of things Lots of things. I mean, uh, white heterosexual middle-aged male. You know, you look yeah. back in history, more or less it's been us. Kind <laughs> of wrecked most things. You know, <laughs> you know, you're like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you look further back, the further back you go, the, the, Sorry, the lost further you there back for a you go in history, yeah, yeah. the better things get for <laughs> white men, you know. Um, but, but the future is less, 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 less rosy for us, I think. But that's fine. The, 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 so, so, so uh, I, I do think, I do think that we, we should find ways to say, look, these were areas where we did badly in the past. Mm. For example, Irish people owning slaves, mm. right? Um, or uh, Irish people getting absolutely crazy with themselves and buying stupid properties at ridiculous prices, or you know all the things that you, that that um, uh, 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 was it Dan r- rightfully mentioned. Yeah. You know. Um, now you yeah. could be too specific. Yeah. Right. You could be too specific. You could also open up an enormous uh, can of worms. Mm. Sometimes. Sometimes, and this goes back to the stuff we were talking about, the theory of social forgetting. Sometimes mm-hmm. uh, it's not clear that the thing that we are demonizing is worth demonizing. So, for example, uh, men coming back from the Second World War, Irish men, typically men, coming back uh, from the Second World War and the First World War, taking the king's shilling, as it was called, yeah. In Schilling, and then being demonized for it, right? If you had have put a commemoration up in 1955 to the shit thing we did when we went off and took a, took took uh, uh, jobs fighting and dying for um, for the the former oppressor, right? Mm. You would have genuinely, you know, that would have been the feeling, the common feeling at the time. Mm. Uh, my father re- uh, remembers having an uncle who uh, who had fought at the Somme. Yeah. And uh, uh, a great uncle who had fought at the Somme, and you know he he, he never talked about it. His his body was riddled with shrapnel. Uh, he never spoke about it. He he was a vast alcoholic, and he died uh, quite soon after. My my dad remembers being about ten, and mm. you know just a sadness emanating off this guy because he was a social prior, you know. And the only people who would drink with him were his family, um, and you know so 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 he remembered that, um, you know, from the fifties. Mm. You know, so it, it is interesting that you pick a point in time 
And at a point in time, there's a certain liminality that attaches to any kind of idea. It's good, it's bad, we like it, we don't, Mm -hmm. and so forth, you know? Um, And I I think uh, we we don't have to be afraid of it. We just have to be careful about being too specific about it. No, completely. And and I think actually what Dan put quite here, it was right, it's about represent, he said anti-racism and inclusion. So I think, you know, that you can mark, look, this thing happened, but... Like maybe it's a as like it's a garden of remembrance. Maybe it's a beautiful place you go, yeah. and it's about. But it's a place that's marking. We are a more inclusive society here now. We are we are fighting racism. We are making sure that not again. There will never be a group shoved out of the city by hatred and 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 you know a ganging up on 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 say the Jewish people who all had to leave Limerick in 1904. Or a lot of them. A lot of them mm. left. Um, and I think, yeah, and the, the, we just kind of, as I said, we do have to kind of end shortly, but um, th- so there I was... I like that idea, though. I like that idea about a commemoration space. Mm. What about something that's the opposite of a wishing well? Okay. So you, you go to a wishing well, it's just water, and you take a coin, you throw the coin in the water, and you ask the universe for a positive thing. Yes. Imagine there was the opposite of a wishing well. Well, you go to the water or to the whatever and yeah. you take a coin and on, or, or, or a piece of paper or, or a plaque or something. Mm-hmm. And you say, this is the time we were crap to those people. And you lob it in the well. Yeah, yeah. You kind of absolve society of it or something. I don't know. It's, it, 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 that idea of, of, of the opposite, like the negative of a wish. Yeah. You know, I, saying yeah. God, rather than saying, I wish for the positive future, you say, I'm sorry for this negative past. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, completely. Uh, maybe it's a stupid idea. Yeah. Anyway. Well, no, hey, hey, yeah. look. No, like, I think the idea, though, something interactive is always good. Uh, yeah. I think something is interactive. I mean, somebody made a night, Delaney Close made the night point that the, docker, the dockers who hold a, there's a docker statue, um, two men holding a plank, mm. uh, who apparently are twins, um, that okay. the, chil- the children, children love hanging off that statue. And <laughs> that's lovely. Do you know? It's, <laughs> it's a gorgeous it's, idea. Yeah, it's, it's really, yeah. it's really, it's really, it's really, fun and and that and, and a lot of people talked about maybe interactive like things beautiful things that you can click your bike to you know what i mean our, our spaces are oh. i mean i always love at the um in the the guggenheim in in bilbao because I, I went there on my honeymoon and outside there's a huge flower bed of a statue in the shape of a puppy and it's the bilbao yeah. puppy by jeff coons and it's just so beautiful and it takes a lot of maintenance and that but it's yep. you know it also brings a lot of beauty and, and, and mm. stuff. And it tells people something positive about themselves, I suppose. Yeah. If, if you're so, this is part of who we are, just this beautiful thing. Happy mm. days. But yeah. I understand your children are back at school and you need to go collect them. Uh, I, do, so. <laughs> I do, I do, I uh, do. Uh, I kept you waiting talking about statues and yeah. reverse wishing wells. Um, <laughs> to be honest, honestly, they were like, fair enough. That's very kind of used to me. So, Good. Uh, yeah, but I need, I need to go get them. So, Listen, uh, Steve, fascinating as ever. We'll have, we might throw another question out to the Twitterverse next Absolutely. week. Absolutely. And, and thank you all to everyone who, who thought about it and responded. Uh, this is precisely what we want to be doing. So thank you all so much for that. Excellent. Steve, talk to you next week. Have a good one. Take care. You have been listening to Anne and Steve Talk Stuff, a Limerick Post podcast produced by Kian Reinhardt theme tune composed and performed by David Blake. Follow Stephen Kinsler on Twitter at Stephen Kinsler. He's a Stephen with a PH. Anne Blake at Anne Blake 78 She is an Anne with no E. 
and the Limerick Post at Limerick Post. If you have any questions, you can get to any of these Twitter accounts or follow the hashtag and Steve Talk.